This is LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and thanks for joining us for Moving Up the Ladder. Now, on this show, we're taking a look at emotional intelligence and its role in the workplace. We're going to try to figure out if having a strong emotional intellect actually creates a competitive advantage in your career. To do this, we're speaking with Sarah Canaday. Now, Sarah observed a lot in the corporate American world as an MBA, and now she's the owner of Sarah Canaday and Associates, where she mentors thousands of individuals as a consultant and coach. Sarah, thanks for coming back on LJN Radio. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. And this is a topic that I always found fascinating, uh, really anywhere in the area of, uh, I guess, what would touch on psychology, emotional intelligence. Uh, You know, it's one of those things I think a lot of people hear about. They'll even use the term, but I don't know if they necessarily know how to define it. So I'm going to ask you, what's your definition when we're talking about emotional intelligence? Well, yeah, I think there can be kind of an academic view or thought behind emotional intelligence. And I, the easiest and probably the least academic way of defining it is it's almost a a level of street smarts, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's the ability to sort of, to use the military term, to overcome, adapt, and pursue, right? In my world with many leaders and entrepreneurs, it's really about this idea of not only being able to understand your own emotions and well enough that you can you can adjust your behavior slightly so that you can better influence and engage with others, which means, you know, understanding and being able to read others' emotions or being able to read a team's emotions so that you can respond and move them in a direction that, you know, you think is more productive. Right. That's kind of, you know, combination of definitions, but all, I think, more pragmatic than scientific or academic. Now, is this something that you think has taken on more prevalence in the last 10 years, 15 years? Has it always existed, but people didn't necessarily define it? I mean, how do you view the importance of emotional intelligence and where you see it in the workplace? Yeah, so I've been following emotional intelligence for 25, 30 years, and I've seen it come and go in popularity. Mm -hmm. I think the peak of its popularity was in 19, in the 90s when Daniel Goleman authored the book Emotional Intelligence. He really, you know, was able to sort of take it out, I think, of purely academics and behavioral science and match it to the workplace. Sure. But it had been written about and discussed in journals and by behavioral scientists. And ever since then, you know, in the 90s, it was popular and it caught on and then it sort of went away. And I've seen a resurgence of emotional intelligence just in the last five, six years. Okay. And it's very interesting. There's several different thoughts or approaches to emotional intelligence in terms of how do you assess it and then how do you develop it. And those are the things that I think add to making it gray or making it something that people question in terms of validity. Sure. Is that there's some different points of view on how to assess it and how to develop it. Well, speaking of that kind of gray area, uh, in an article you penned, uh, you mentioned Adam Grant, who we've actually had on LJN Radio, and I know he's a well-respected individual when it comes to kind of this area. But he sort of started to mention emotional intelligence in the same vein as having a cult-like mentality uh, (laughs) as far as people following it. Maybe he was a little tongue-in-cheek with it. Maybe he was trying to make his own points. Again, you can determine that if you want to read that on your own. But where do you feel there is a disconnect in terms of people who might see it as just kind of this cult and they don't really value it much versus those people more like yourself who do believe in the importance of emotional intelligence? Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe it's 
the behavioral scientists or the even psychologists that maybe hold on to the term or its implications too tightly okay. and don't necessarily speak to it very pragmatically or, or how it plays out in the workplace. You know, one of my uh, responses to, to Grant's article was that there are some that look at emotional intelligence, its assessment and development in a very narrow focus. Mm. And that literally has to do with how well you read others' emotions. Literally, their facial expressions. Right. And can you, you know, there's literally a test that is a application test that you're shown photos of people and from across the world and you try to assess their mood and their emotion based on that facial expression. Now, to me, that is an extremely narrow definition and look at emotional intelligence and sure. not one that I pursue. My look at emotional intelligence is really an understanding of how you're naturally wired. What are your tendencies in terms of mood, quirks, personality profile? How do you handle stress and uncertainty? What kind of impulse control do you have? Do you let your emotions hijack you or do you remain calm and poised? Do you know yourself well enough to be conscious to dial whatever it is back about yourself when you're in front of a certain audience? Those are the much broader implications of emotional intelligence. And, you know, sometimes I even call it behavioral intelligence hmm. because it's one thing to know these things and it's another thing to adjust your behavior so that you can better engage and influence and work with others. And that's really the area that I work on much more than just can you pick up somebody's facial expression. Sure. Yeah, I like how you mentioned uh, in your article the idea that, well, toddlers can point out certain expressions, but it doesn't necessarily change how they're going to act. Or That's right. Yeah. That's right. So I guess, yeah, you don't want to be compared to a toddler if you're looking to be a uh, successful professional in your field. But, uh, but I thought it was a great point to bring up and a good analogy. At the same time, if you are, say, in a management position or maybe you're looking to hire, are there questions, are there tasks you can have someone do to try to gauge their, as you said, behavioral intelligence that, again, as you said, Yes, they may have emotional intelligence, but how do they then apply it to a certain situation? How do you judge something like that if you are making those evaluations? The classic interview question, I say classic because it's been around for a while now, is what they call a behavioral interview question. Right. Because the idea is that past behavior predicts future behavior. So in that scenario, you, you really, you ask somebody, tell me about a time that you were under you know, a highly stressful circumstance or you were in a team that had extremely ambiguous goals, that there was tentative thoughts about where the team would land and if the team would exist, how did you handle it? it, gives you some insight. Or you can even come up with a small case scenario, mm. you know, hand them the case and ask them how they would handle it, how they would pursue it as a leader. That can tell you a lot about somebody's emotional intelligence. But it's hard because many people can fool us in interviews and right. first-time scenarios. And so oftentimes I, you know, how often do you hear that people were hired for their technical, you know, know-how and their competence, but they were fired because of their soft skills or lack of emotional intelligence. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we really won't know until we've seen that person interact with different groups, under different circumstances, under different contexts. 
I definitely think that's fair. And, uh, you know, we hear various terms that, as you just related to, you know, soft skills to emotional intelligence, and you'll hear the idea of culture fit and all that sort of thing. Um, I think it definitely plays a role together. Um, So I appreciate you kind of weaving that in for people who have heard some different terms related to emotional intelligence. You know, I've also seen, though, people talking about emotional intelligence as simply being common sense and your basic reactions to, you know, the observations you make, whether it's in the workplace or in your life. And then we hear that oh, so often people don't have common sense nowadays. That's a problem. So what are your thoughts on that correlation or how that might relate to just the idea of emotional intelligence? Again, I think it's people's attempt to oversimplify. Mm-hmm. I mean, they say the same thing about soft skills. Sure. That's mom and pop and apple pie, or that's what I, <laughs> that's what I hear in church on Sunday. How, how difficult can this be? Really? We're going to talk about this? <laughs> well, if, if it was that simple and... that easy, then we would all do very well at work and we would have lots of influence and we would engage with others very effectively and we would have the impact that we want to have. Right. But that's not necessarily happening. And so I think that it is much more than common sense. Okay. And it is like anything else. It's it's like a muscle that you have to build over time. And it's not a matter of changing who you are. It is just simply being conscious about some of your own tendencies, some of your own personality quirks or, or behaviors, and then making little micro changes to those over time so that you can be more effective and have more impact. And trust me, I, I, I'm not without my own. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think all of us have those, you know, we fall back on because they're, they're who we are. But if we can be extremely conscious of them and work on those behaviors, then I think we can be more impactful. So then you do believe that emotional intelligence or applying emotional intelligence, that it can be taught. It is something we can learn, be trained on and develop over time. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things that I think helps compel people to see where they may have gaps in certain aspects of emotional intelligence is through assessments. And Mm -hmm. there are many out there. There are self-assessments and there are even 360 degree assessments so that the people you work with, whether they're your followers or your colleagues or those that you know you report to, your superiors, they actually can give you their feedback on your emotional intelligence. So you could see yourself as extremely emotional intelligent, but I think until others give you their feedback, you're, you're not going to discover where your blind spots are. The mere fact that there are assessments so that you can uncover your gaps is a sure indication that there's a way to close those gaps. And there are plenty of development ideas around how to close those gaps. And that's the kind of thing I do every day with those that I work with in corporations and individually. One other term I had seen you use, I mean, again, we've been talking a lot about self-awareness being an important aspect of it. And you also mentioned behavioral intelligence. I saw the term you use social fluency. How would you describe that specifically as it relates to emotional intelligence? Well, you know, that to me is being able to walk into a room, a company, a presentation, and be able to pick up on subtle kind of what I call undercurrents. Okay. You have a good read of your audience, for example, and you know, based on being very in tune with not only your emotions, but others, you get a sense, for example, of in a meeting when to push an idea versus when to hold back. Okay. Perhaps maybe you get a sense of who the decision makers are or whether they're even in the room. Those kinds of subtle things, you get a feel in a company culture about what's the norm 
what's accepted here? Anywhere from dress to protocol to, you know, is this the kind of company where I can go up to my boss's boss and say hi and give him some ideas? Or is this a more traditional culture where chain of command's pretty tightly held? So, you know, those are the kinds of things that I refer to as social fluency. I like that. That sounds like a show in and of itself. I might have to uh, yeah. call you back on that one, get some, uh, get some strategies go. and tips. No, that sounds cool. I did want to ask you then, in terms of the emotional intelligence side of things, in your article, I think you titled it cult or competitive advantage. Obviously, uh, you're not going to see it as a cult, but how much of a competitive edge do people have when they can display this emotional intelligence, whether it's in their current situation and position or if they are looking to get a new job? How much of an edge do you see this having versus, again, the typical skills, idea, and, and personality? Well, you know, I used to say that especially in this this age where we are we're global, we are outsourcing right and left, you can't outsource somebody's creativity or their personality or the way they handle themselves. And I am a firm believer that part of what will distinguish you and set you apart from your competitors is not just what skills you have or how much knowledge you have, but how you bring your skills to the table. To me, that's a differentiator. And we tend to not undermine, but we, we pass over that as being something specifically to consider and even discuss. I, mean, I tell people all the time when they're putting together their value proposition, don't forget to layer the intangible with the tangible. So you may be able to do it X, Y, and Z, but tell me how you do it. Tell me the way you do it that's different than others. Do you have a calming influence in an otherwise chaotic environment? Are you a leader who can revive an otherwise stagnant team? You know, that, that shows some leadership skills, it shows, but it also shows that you have a way about how you go about bringing your leadership skills to the table. I, th I think it, it's clearly a competitive edge. Well, Sarah, I think that's a, a good thought to finish up on today. Uh, I love the practical side that you bring to it, as well as some of the examples you showed us. Um, and uh, again, good conversation. Appreciate you coming on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. That will do it for us here on Moving Up the Ladder and our conversation about emotional intelligence and what kind of competitive edge it can give you in your career. We were speaking with Sarah Canaday, the owner of Sarah Canaday and Associates. If you'd like to get in touch with us about this show or any of our episodes, send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. And we encourage you to check out all of our episodes on iTunes. Just search LJN Radio in the iTunes store. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.